1: You're listening to the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 6.30 Chad Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station.
2: Here we go. It's a day late, but another edition of The Hoot with uh, Chief Economist from ATB Financial, the one and only Todd Hirsch. Hey, Todd.
1: Good afternoon,
0: guys. So I guess from uh, moving forward, we'll have to call you Todd Silver Lining Hirsch. Uh- <laughs> See, uh, despite what's been going on in the oil industry, you found an industry which showed great growth last year.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I'm trying to buck the dismal scientist. You know, there's a lot of, if you want, you can work yourself up and just feel quite a tizzy about how you know dire the situation is in Alberta, even though it's improving. But I want to talk about a sector that actually has shown uh, a couple of years of consecutive record-setting receipts, and that is the tourism industry often overlooked in Alberta. Hmm.
0: So, you know, before you tell us the good news, and you know, Todd, I like to be skeptical about numbers. um, Mm -hmm. It's one thing to measure the barrels of oil that left the province, but it's another thing to measure the dollars spent on tourism. How exactly do you accumulate the figures to indicate tourist dollar?
1: Well, that's a good question. Statistics Canada last week, they came came out with their report that tried to do this at the provincial level. And it is an inexact science, because what they're trying to do, there is no tourism sector per se. It's really slices of a bunch of sectors around the province, like the food and accommodation sector, like um, the retail sector, like the sports and recreation sector. We know some of it is tourism, not all of it, but they make estimates. They uh, gauge how many visitors cross the border, internationally into Canada uh, through re- Survey research tried to determine where they went and how much money they spent. And it is a best guess, so it's inexact. But their best guess for Alberta showed that tourism receipts was about $8.3 billion, with a B, in 2016. That was a record-setting year. And we know anecdotally from what tour operators were telling us about 2017, that almost certainly 2017 was a record on top of 2016. So the sector is actually really doing very well.
2: Could that have possibly been the, in, in part, the, the free park passes for Canada 150, all of that business?
1: Definitely. I think that was why 2017 was probably the the, it's the new high water mark here. Uh, the free national parks in 2017, the sesquicentennial celebrations, the weak Canadian dollar, the U.S. economy back on its feet, all of these things lined up just perfectly for tourism not just in alberta but every canadian province but tourism is a growing industry in alberta and one that i think uh deserves a bit more recognition uh,
0: when you say it deserves more recognition you mean from the average albertan or from the government
1: <laughs> from the well i guess maybe from both i think governments are doing their part the destination canada uh campaign that is sort of the umbrella organization of the the, the 10 of uh, territorial, provincial and territorial, I guess 13, uh, tourism departments, but Destination Canada has been promoting Canada more aggressively lately, especially in markets like China, Mm -hmm. where there is, you know, a a surging number of um, consumers. They now have things like automobiles and the Prada bags and and the Gucci suits. Now what they're wanting is those experiential vacations uh, to places like Canada. And Alberta, for them, you know, it ticks a lot of the boxes of what they're looking for in in vacation. So, Alberta, we're not only attracting more Canadians and Americans, but increasingly those overseas visitors as well.
0: So, getting back to the numbers again, uh, you said they're Alberta numbers or provincial numbers, um, because I'm wondering if things like a funicular in
2: Edmonton or... Um, It has been written up in, like, German and different, you know, magazines around the world. I
0: I guess it would be hard, even if you could isolate, and you said it's a best guess sort of uh, statistic, but even (laughs) if you could isolate specifically that these are uh, the, you know, one billion visitors that were there strictly for tourism, somebody would have to ask, why'd you come here for us to know what's working and what isn't? And and the reason you'd want to know that, of course, is because you'd want the growth to continue.
1: Yeah, and I don't have the the breakdown of the reasons why. Stats Canada did have, they do collect some of that. There is obviously bi- some business tourism, <clears throat> pardon me, some just uh, visiting friends and family. That's a popular reason why everyone would go and visit somewhere else. Um, part of it might be just uh, to see a different part of the world or a different part of the country. But I think increasingly a lot of visitors are looking for what is that place we haven't been yet? They're looking for a good value for their mm-hmm. money. Canada ticks the box for a lot of those uh, international vacationers as well. Well, and I would think, Todd,
0: you know, there could be other factors. I mean, it's uh, listen. I'm not coming from a perspective of doubting the numbers. I'm sort of, I'm just sort of thinking it through as you're speaking. Yeah. But there could also be uh, problems in Mexico caused Canadians to be tourists in Canada or um you know events in the states uh, political views could uh, cause people dollar. to say Monk yeah you know, this year i can't afford a trip or don't want to go and support that economy or there could be a lot of different reasons and and again so the problem becomes without being able to identify say even the top three reasons how do you focus your efforts at, at keeping that growth alive
1: <laughs> well that's a good question i think that's the question that tour operators and tour, uh, ministries or departments of tourism are always trying to struggle with. How do you make your province or your region attractive to those uh, limited tourist dollars? Because there is a lot of competition out there. I think, Andrew, what you, you touched on might have a, a big bearing. I think in 2017, 2016 and 2017, uh, Canadians may have been a little more reluctant to go to some of those places around the world. I think at the end of, because of safety concerns, but I think at the end of the day, they will respond to where the best deals are. Mm. And with the Canadian dollar having slumped in 15, (laughs) 16, 17, you know, more Canadians that I think felt like, oh, that U.S. vacation is is just costing us too much. Uh, Why don't we spend more time exploring our own uh, province, Mm -hmm. our own country?
2: Yeah, and it's discretionary, to right? Me, so To me, traveling in Alberta is a bit of a no-brainer. I mean, the mountains oh yeah. and the people that I know that want to come here and visit just, just purely for well, the mountains.
0: That's the thing. Hey, Todd, like I'm just now we're just, uh, you know, sort of talking amongst yep. ourselves. But... Um, the vac- A vacation to the Caribbean or Mexico or Las Vegas or New Orleans can be put off for a year. Um, it doesn't disappear. Um, it's not like a car that, well, listen, it's not going to last another year, so I have to invest, right? And then that opens up the door to saying, well, you know, Alberta's been on the bucket list for a while. We haven't done <laughs> it, right?
1: Yeah. And, and it and just I, works out. I, I, And I think what we might see, and this is only me speculating, I don't know, and I have to be careful with how I say this, I think a lot of Albertans might be looking at one of their favorite destinations for vacations and saying, I don't know if I'm down with this province at the moment. I might actually stay home in Alberta this year because, in fact, uh, I, I I want to promote our own industry. I don't know if I want my tourism dollars being spent. In the province to the west.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's an interesting. Point. I don't know
1: how much of an impact that will have. Or yeah, not.
0: that's an interesting point all by itself because I don't imagine that any of those numbers um, measure Alberta tourism. Albertans who who you well, I suppose it would. Albertans who decide to vacation in Alberta.
1: Those numbers are really difficult to get at yeah. because you know, say for some example, someone living in Edmonton, they go down to Sylvan Lake for the afternoon. Right. Is that tourism? Well. Not really in the traditional way we think of it, Mm -hmm. but it is dollars being spent outside the Edmonton region in the Sylvan Lake region. So it gets a little bit dicey when you think about people vacationing in in their own backyards. But all of that, it doesn't matter where the dollars are coming from. If you're a tourist operator in the Edmonton River Valley, uh, Edmontonians spending dollars in Edmonton, it keeps those dollars, you know, at, at home.
0: Well, and that's why we need that funicular to work the in the cold. The needs yeah. to
2: in, in the warm. In the I
1: haven't warm. been on it yet, but
0: I'm. Either we? No, no, very few have. I shouldn't say that. It, it Number, was. It a was
2: lot popular. of people were using it, and then it yeah. got. It was too cold, and then it stopped working.
0: Yeah, Google, Google is your friend. Somebody should have taken a look at average temperatures in Edmonton. And it
1: Maybe they didn't make the comparison to uh, Celsius or something. I don't know. And I
2: yeah, just have to throw this one out, too, because we always te- tease Todd or acknowledge the fact that he's like the best-dressed guy around. Mm-hmm. You know, well, He's been named by what? Avenue Magazine as one of the best-dressed, and I think, I don't know, the Canada, but uh, or no, <laughs> definitely Calgary, by Avenue Magazine, a spiffy photo shoot. Really? So, Todd,
0: I don't want to make it And now joke. he's
2: like, would you really have to, you'd had to bring this up right now? So this yeah. is not, doesn't Avenue
0: do their top 30 under 30? They or do top 40 under 40. Top 40 under 40. This so. is completely
2: different. This yeah. Was, yeah. This was their best dressed. They don't do it here in Edmonton. <laughs> so it was, it was
0: fantastic over 40, I guess, was the category. I don't know how
1: old you are, Todd. I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to be 52, actually, this come summer. Come on, so. no way. I'm going to be 52, so I, I do not qualify for the 40 under 40 or 30 under 30 or anything like that. Best dress, they threw in one middle-aged guy just to keep the
2: magazine. Whatever. The other nine
1: best dress were all like
2: 22 years old,
1: and were way cooler than I am. So. Uh,
2: yeah. Anyway, it was great to see your picture in the magazine, Todd. Thanks for well, joining thanks us. very much. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. You Bye-bye. Too.
0: You know, sorry, go ahead. I just
2: do want to say coming up, uh, we're going to hear from Toby Boulay, the, uh, the dad of excuse me, of uh, the 21-year-old, you'll remember him, Logan Boulay, who was kept on life support after that accident on Friday night. They said his heart was beating strong, um, but he had signed his organ donor card Mm -hmm. just after he turned 21, and six people received the gift of life um, as a result. So we will hear from him coming up. The other thing we do want to mention right now is Trans Mountain. Yeah,
0: we haven't talked about it. Of course, there was some developments over the weekend, but with everything that was happening in Humboldt, that wasn't our focus for the last uh, little while uh, over the weekend or on yesterday's show. But it's worth, uh, of course, mentioning. We all know uh, the situation. The British Columbia government... um, uh, threatening in different ways with legal action to try and stop the flow mm-hmm. from this uh, pipeline once constructed. Um,
2: well, they certainly don't want it expanded. They're they, saying they it's don't, plain to right? it come through.
0: So, the, you know, they, it's sort of a legal loophole kind of situation where, um, you know, the construction can take place, but then it can't be used to its capacity uh, because they'll restrict the flow. It's a, it's a legal maneuver of sorts. Uh, you're all familiar with that. Over the weekend, um, Kinder Morgan said that they would... Cease unnecessary spending or uh, discretionary spending. I can't recall the term they used. Uh, So, in other words, bringing it to a halt and and basically calling upon the federal government again to do something with the deadline of May 31st. And there's just a couple of things worth mentioning as an Albertan, you should be aware of. Can
2: I just. Yeah. Where the hell has the federal government been on this? Just, you know, he can sit there and say, oh no, it's going to, it's approved, it's a federal blah, blah, blah. You go on and on and on. But then all of this is happening, happening, and like major breaks have been pumped here. Yeah, oh yeah. And okay, well we we're having an emergency meeting, all that sort of stuff. Where's the the leadership on this? Really, from the from the federal government? It it is hard to
0: defend the federal government on this. The the problem being that it's for several governments or for at least. Well, for three governments, it's almost a no-win situation. You've got a British Columbian government that's a minority government supported by the Green Party. That coalition uh, is based on fighting the pipeline. Absolutely. So the B.C. Premier has placed himself in a position, it's if he wants Morgan's to maintain Powell, power, right, right uh, that he has to fight the pipeline, and that's what he's doing. And then you have a federal government that's going to upset... Canadians, one way or another. You build the pipeline, you force it through, you're going to upset those, uh, the Green or or whomever, the environmentalists. environmentalists. Um, If you don't push it through, you just broke a promise and you just showed that the federal government has no teeth and no backbone. And I don't know a better way to put it. So, what you have to consider, though, is this, and I'm not a constitutional lawyer, uh, but I will tell you that the threat to limit the transmission of oil through British Columbia is basically, uh, as I say, a legal maneuver. So it's it's like, hey, well, we're going to use our own power, whatever power we control, in order to um, to make an expansion worthless or useless. The federal government's saying, no, we're going to force you to adhere to what we've said as mm-hmm. a federal government, because you're a province, but you're also part of Canada. But the NDP... Um, talking about and I know I'll get to this other part of it, but the NDP talking about turning off the pipelines mm-hmm. uh, to force BC in a position of not having sufficient oil coming through. Right, that is also probably a constitutional problem. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar threat to what BC has made, only it's the opposite. So BC saying we don't want your oil, and Alberta saying you can't have it. Those are both kind of constitutional challenges which may <laughs> have to go to a court and be decided. And it's not as easy as simply turning a tap. Righty-tighty is not something that you oh, can Oh, it doesn't
2: work that way? It does
0: not. There is not a Righty-tidy, single... Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey? Exactly. So... It's a threat and it, and and certainly it's a step and it's a correct one in my opinion um, to make that threat and to push that through and to see if it's constitutionally uh, legitimate but it's not something that can be done today. Now yeah. in the meantime though, that has put some fire under the federal government. They're on a two week break right now but they've flown in a number of cabinet ministers for an emergency uh-huh. meeting today to discuss this. And I gotta tell you, when I say it's a no win situation for the liberals, here's how Know when it is. Um, thanks. We asked you to do this months ago.
2: Well, and even today, saying that they're still a hundred percent behind the pipeline. Well, <laughs> oh,
0: I, listen. I don't even have words to describe, honestly. And I'm not judging their body of work okay. by this one, uh, this one file. But I'm saying on this particular file, they have completely f- and 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 utterly failed.
2: The parents in the situation have to step in right now and yeah. lay down but the law. The is lay down who, who are the, the parents? Well, you know, the parents need to be, the federal government needs to be the, the people in power who Control this.
0: Listen, you know what? Anyone who's worked anywhere has had that supervisor or middle manager who couldn't make a decision.
2: Well, we'll just let you work. Yeah, let's just figure it
0: out. And you know what? And you've got uh, two sides, you know, diametrically opposed to one another. And it's like you know what it it feels like the fry guy and the burger guy at the local burger (laughs) joint are arguing over what who's gonna work the late shift and clean up, and the swing manager's going, Well, I don't want to bother anybody Mm. with this. you guys were no manage the damn thing.
2: Manage it thing. Well, it's not enough to say it's going to get built. And do let's do something. And let's remember too is even though not huge, huge amount of you know support. The the, the 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 Trudeau Liberals need to look at what they may or may not lose for voters in an upcoming. Yes. Election. There what lies could the other happen? problem. That's,
0: there's so many layers to it. Right. You've got elections looming in the distance yeah. for all the government. So everybody's got to worry about rallying their support. So this is something, hindsight being 2020, that had it been dealt with at the time and had it been dealt with swiftly mm-hmm. and firmly, that we wouldn't still be having this conversation. But instead, it hasn't been. And I cannot. And There's a
2: May 31st deadline it, now. Now
0: there is. And that's and listen, that's a real serious deadline because that's not a bunch of government rhetoric. That's the company going enough is enough. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, the Notley government has suggested that perhaps the way to make um, the investors feel safe and secure and to continue at least moving forward with the pipeline is for the province of Alberta to pay, is mm-hmm. to buy in, is to actually become a participant, a partner, an investor. And as in debt as we are, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that's a good idea. We, we, Whatever it takes to keep this moving is what we have to do. But in the meantime, I need our Prime Minister and his government to step up, to stand up, and to take and and not even to take a position. to, get on to with back it. up the position they took in the first that's place. That's what they've
2: been saying all along.
0: Yeah. It's not enough to say it'll get built, you know, unless it, it gets built. Unless it gets built.
2: <laughs> Four o'clock news with Eileen Bells coming up. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with
1: Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at two on 630 Chad.